Welcome to Pod at the Montecito, the world's premier podcast discussing the hit NBC television show Las Vegas. I'm one of your hosts, Judson Clark. Uh, I'm your other host, Eddie McCarthy. Judson, what's good? Well, I don't know if I would call it good, but I want to talk a little bit about this Floyd Mayweather Logan Paul bout that <sighs> we've heard about. God damn it. These damn Paul brothers just won't go away. I mean, the Floyd Connor grift fight was the first one of these that made billions and billions of dollars with both of them being totally in on it and knowing exactly how it was going to go. This is just the like poor, poor, poor man's version of that fight. Like Floyd will not get touched unless he wants to. It's so stupid. So there are no official odds yet for this because it's being considered an exhibition match. Mm hmm. So legitimate sports books can't hang a number. The only sniff of a number I saw had Mayweather at minus 2,400 and Paul at plus 900. That's far too low. <laughs> like it should be minus 24,000. Then we're talking. But I just I mean, who is going to pay money to watch this fight? I know the answer is millions and millions of people. But why? What? Like who is their target demo? It's not fight fans. Uh, assholes. One. Yeah. Okay. Two. So, so barstool folks are big on this. Correct. <laughs> uh, you said it, not me, but I will definitely co-sign that. Uh, two. They're gonna do a real good job in the lead up of wanting, of making you want to watch somebody get knocked the fuck out because that's what all of these are, and so that will compel people to ostensibly throw money at. I'm guessing this is another thriller joint. I mean. When was the last time Mayweather knocked somebody out? Did it happen this millennium? Mm, it's been a while. The guy is the best pound for pound boxer I've ever seen. But his game is predicated on his speed, both his footwork and his hand speed and not his power. Yeah, he is the greatest defensive boxer of all time. So, I mean, what does Logan Paul get to use the folding chair? And what's the angle here? He's hoping he can tag in his brother Jake at some point and try and cut Floyd off. I don't know, man. This is these are so dumb. They're so, so dumb. And now the latest is that Chad Ochocinco is going to fight in the undercard. <laughs> Did you see this? I had not seen that. Yeah. But sure. Yeah, shout, I, out, I, shout out to Ocho catching a paycheck. He's probably in need of one about now. Funny you should ask. Let me read you a quick excerpt from the CBS Sports article. So Leonard Elroby, Floyd's manager, hit me up like, hey, I got an opportunity for you, Johnson Johnson said. Floyd is fighting June 6th at the Hard Rock. You can make a cool million and do a few rounds. If that's something I really couldn't pass up, I could pass it up, but why? Everything in the life I'm good at besides golf. I called Elroby back and said, let's do this. That that sounds very on brand for Senor Ochocinco. Opponent not yet known, so I guess if you're interested, reach out to Ellerby. Maybe Yo, there's a Chad, cool million call, in it for you. Call me up <laughs> for five hundred grand. You can punch me a couple times. It's going to be a four fight pay per view main card, which will also have a rematch between Badu Jack and Jean Pascal, Mayweather Paul, the Ocho versus TBD, and a TBD versus TBD. More YouTuber beef. Is it gonna be hundred bucks? Eighty bucks? Probably a hundred. I think that's Unreal. what they have done for all of these. It's nonsense. Well, I know we can't really afford to alienate much more of our audience than we already have, but if you're listening and you're thinking I'm gonna pay actual U.S. dollars that I've earned legally 
for this fight, I'd ask you to go to the podcatcher of your choice and unsubscribe <laughs> because we're not going to be kind to you in the coming weeks and months. You may be listening to some of these and think, huh, I wonder if they're talking about me. Yes. <laughs> yes, we are. But before you go, do reach out and let me know why the fuck you're about to spend 80 to $100 on this fight. I'm genuinely curious. I would then insist you unsubscribe because I will almost certainly roast your answer on a future episode of this podcast. <laughs> Making friends and influencing people along the way. That's the podcast Holy promise shit. here. Uh, unless you're GST, and you, then you can stay subscribed. But I would like to know why. I guess your answer is probably because I'm rich and I do what I want. So... I mean, good answer. Good answer. Yeah. That's Show me I'm rich and I do what I want. <laughs> My man, do you have anything else we need to touch on or should we get into this? Sort? I guess we should get into the awkwardness of this episode before we really dive into it. Yeah, that's that's probably a good idea because there are some sensitive subjects that are dealt with in this episode in a not at all sensitive manner as we've seen in the past. So yeah. And the core conflict in this episode will start from the cold open and it'll come down to an instance of a woman claiming that Danny forced himself upon her sexually. And we will know because we will be in the room that it didn't go down that way. And the story relies on you knowing that it went down the way it did to ignore the fact that no one believes this woman throughout the cast. And on first watching back then, when we weren't really thinking about the this conversation, or I should say, we weren't thinking about these issues under the lens of the modern conversation around it, I was 100% worked on me. I was like, yeah, I know Danny didn't do it. I know this woman is lying about it. And it never would have occurred to me how patronizing and offensive it was that every other core cast member that this was brought up to was like, yeah, she's full of shit, obviously. No way you could have done it. Yeah, of course all of Danny's friends, including those who work at the police office, immediately believe Danny that he wouldn't have done such a thing. That's kind of the problem. <laughs> like that's we've we have seen that issue and and you know, obviously we're not looking for really lessons on consent and believing victims and things like that out of a show like Las Vegas. It is worth mentioning up top do not bust out your jump to conclusion mats on extremely serious allegations, even if they involve somebody that you are close friends with. Like, this is serious shit. It needs to be treated with certain levels of skepticism. Yeah, I think that that is about the best way we could put that. And certainly we would invite, as we did the last time we had to touch on matters like this, anyone who's not comfortable, we will... Uh, not be even a little bit offended if you decide to take a pass on this episode. And honestly, we've thought you should be taking a pass on all the episodes. So, <laughs> But this would definitely be one to tap out on if, if it is a, a sensitive issue for you or you just don't really want to hear the 2004 version of this story. Like, we get that. That's fine. And it's probably not going to be a banger today. You're not going to miss too much. Yeah, because spoiler alert. We're not big fans of this episode either, and it's not really one that opens itself up for a ton of jokes. Nah, so we're gonna hit the Paul Inc. a bit hard. I'm spoiling. And, and I'm gonna and I'm gonna crush on people who think that old people can't fuck. We're gonna I'm gonna bag those people a little bit too. And the fact that they weirdly intersect, who knows? <laughs> well, I guess without any further ado, it's season two, episode fourteen, the lie 
Yachta est. Nailed it. Shout out to our Latin heads out there. <laughs> Again, all two of you. Wait, that's us. Yeah. Fuck. Oops. <laughs> it's weird in the Anchor FM demos, they don't specify who the Latin heads are. Huh. Hadn't thought about that. You have to click through to the dead language sub-level menu to get to that. They <laughs> okay. all, they only show you active languages from the jump. What are the other dead languages on there? Sanskrit. <laughs> Is was your questioning of that because you're not sure if Sanskrit's dead? Yep. Or one hundred percent. I I am very confident it's a language. I'm not all that confident on its liveliness. It would would not be the first thing alive we have declared dead. So we'll go with it. Bad news, my man. Rip Stamos. It is a complicated answer. So I'm gonna give. I'm just gonna. I'm gonna go ahead and ding you. We'll take it. Because the first response from Prolingo.com, I think we can all agree the authority on the vitality of languages. It's certainly not Antilingo.com. It starts off with. Though it is considered a dead language. Boom. Got him. Got it. Unfortunately, it goes on to say it is still spoken by a few modern Aramaic communities. A bunch of there are some fucking nerdy ass high school communities that speak Latin. Count that. All right. So here we are. We've reached the part where we do, in fact, get canceled, where Eddie compares various high school Latin clubs to actual communities of real life humans. With dumbass languages, pick better sounds to make. I'm sorry. Wow. <laughs> Lack of cosine. No, <laughs> Lack of... Fair. That's... We'll be taking auditions for follow-on pod hosts now that Bean Dad here is John Roderick himself off the podcast. Chief of the Watch, on the one end. So we open on a classic nighttime Vegas sweeping shot, start on our famous Vegas sign. I'm sure that our listeners are familiar with because it's our podcast logo. Do a quick up and back down Las Vegas Boulevard, swoosh down into a mystique that is in full nightclub mode. Maximum unsa unsa. Indeed, that, that lever is turned all the way up. And speaking of things turned all the way up, our boy Danny McCoy is loving life. He has been shit how strong he has been ripping drinks all night. He's got a cute new blonde on his arm. Delinda's going to come up and Danny's like, oh, it's like, come meet my new friend Lisa as they're like half making out. And talking about choco chunks or choco chunks, uh, obviously like knock off Cocoa Puffs, whatever it was, it did not sound appetizing. Yeah, I thought one of them was going to blow chunks is where that joke was going. Like, mm -hmm. you, like I love choco chunks. Blah. It did feel like that was the bit. I'm not going to lie. I'd have laughed. If if only it had been because D is going to come to Danny and say, hey, there's some chick passed out. Go take her up to her room. Danny fairly rightfully says, no, I'm off duty. Danny. No, I'm not working right now. Ten minutes. Let me cook. Not my job. Call, you know, any of the other people, you know, that work at the hotel to do their job that they're actually on the clock for. Delinda says it's going to be like 10 minutes if she does. Why doesn't she have security? At the nightclub. Yeah, we've seen them all the time. They're just standing out there. Like, just have one of the big bouncers get this girl out of there. That's, yeah. They are bouncers. They are there, what, for bouncing people. Like on bouncy castles? If there is one inexplicably on the fl house floor, sure. I sort of would not be surprised if Mystique had a bouncy castle night. I'd buy that. That sort of seems like a weird, like, 
fucking half-cocked idea of Delinda's. Or like a carny convention's in town, so they put a bouncy house in the middle of Mystique. And obviously, some woman in like four-inch heels is going to put one through the bouncy castle. Hmm. Slow deflation. Somebody gets caught in it trying to fight out. Yeah. That feels like a bit that should have happened on this show. Can we start a uh, start a recurring bit on our show of season six plot lines? Uh, we can't because we need to keep those for ourselves so that when Peacock finally gets the right idea, we can sell all of those ideas. Come on, Chad. Okay, so so that's a that is definitely not. We'll start a new bit called "Not Season Six Las Vegas Ideas," <laughs> and that is our first "Not Season Six, but it's still TMTMTM. Obviously. For future reference, all not season six Las Vegas plot points are TMTMTM'd. Correct. Whether or not it's explicitly said. I'm pretty sure that's binding. <laughs> and he's a lawyer, so there you go. We just need to start putting TMTMTM in the show notes, and then we're good. On it. The type of meditation that I primarily do is called transcendental meditation. It's just the name. Delinda doesn't give a shit about Danny being off duty and drunk and says, fucking take care of this business. And he eventually does. We know that this is going to be a thing right off the jump because the actor who plays the passed out woman, Alicia Cooper, is a like very consistent working actor. Like she's been in, you know, she's in one to seven episodes of basically every CBS procedural and, you know, assorted cable crime dramas that you've ever heard of. So. You know she's not just here for this one scene. Figured she's probably got a little more meat on that bone. She's she's getting her uh what is it called? Her rate, her wage. Her her day the, rate. Yeah. And like you know they're not gonna squander that on just be passed out on a lounge chair. Good work if you can get it. And speaking of good work, Danny gets her up to the room, no harm, no foul, gets her in, and then that's where things come off the rails because she starts putting the moves on him in a pretty big way. Yeah, she she pulls him into the room, starts making out. Danny, being the drunk, dumb, golden retriever puppy that he is, kisses her a little bit and then says, hey, you know, bad idea. I'm going to go. She was around and said, OK, sure, but I can't unzip this dress because, of course not. How could you? That's how you got into the dress. You got to get me out or I could choke because I'm dizzy. I didn't make a whole lot of sense, but whatever. Danny obliges, unzips the dress. Start- like an idiot. Of course, is going to leave, but she immediately turns around, loses the bra, puts the bra into Danny's inside coat pocket, which weird place to store that. But okay, everyone knows you keep women's underwear in a desk drawer or the hip pocket of a jacket. Of course, that's just science. Sam, everything's cool if there are panties right here in my side pocket. Okay. A few more kisses. And finally, Danny's like, no, we're not doing this. I'm out. Walks out. Questioning himself, wonders if he messed up, says, ah, screw it. But he's also, you know, largely proud of himself for insisting on sober content or sober consent. And you're thinking like, all right, you know, not the shining beacon moment, but like he got where he needed to go. You did not take advantage of an easy situation to take advantage of. Right. Which is, to be clear, the expectation. But to be equally clear in this era on this show is somehow still a win. Right. Danny Oingo Boingo's his way God down the hall it. into a couple and then decides, you know, Peyote. It's it's been a long night. Just every time you say Oingo Boingo, I'm coming over the top with Peyote. It's it's the proper nomenclature. I don't know what you want from me. Danny 
he figures he's had enough. He's just he's gonna sit down for a little bit. Room spinning a tad on him. Needs to needs to calm himself down. Take a little little hall nap. Now I think we should stop here and ask our resident Las Vegas casino hall napper. Mm-hmm. Is that a comfortable napping spot? Uh, well, it depends on how many nights in a row you've been locked out by the person you're sharing a room with. Uh-huh, uh, uh-huh. And how far you had to walk to get new keys that don't work. <laughs> uh-huh. If it's if it's the first night where you had to walk all the way down to get a new key that will totally work, but because the door was deadbolted, you still can't get in. It's pretty comfy because you're fucking tired. That's a long walk. Especially if it's hypothetically at the MGM Grand, which has notoriously long hallways, particularly if you're at the end cap of the little sp- uh, spit that goes off. Yeah, I mean, the upside is you've got your 10,000 steps in before 4.30 a.m. So you got that going for you. That's a pretty comfy hall nap. The second night when it's happened again <laughs> and you realize there's nothing you can do, it's not It's not as comfy. Not that, uh, not that either of us would know from personal experience. It's the second night that really makes that story so great. Because the first night, like... That could happen to anybody. The fact that it happens back to back night. What what asshole would? Sorry, let me rephrase. What security conscious asshole would do such a thing? <laughs> Probably someone suffering from massive blood loss. Massive uh, is a strong word. It's and, not. A, and, it's not the wrong word. And perhaps an accurate word. <laughs> who can say? Who who can say? Who can say? What a hypothetical for the kids. So while he's having his little hall nap, Mike, who's on duty in security, sees him, comes to his rescue and is like, hey, bud, couple pro tips. Don't fuck our guests and don't be passed out in the hall. If Big Ed had seen you, he'd have had your nuts in a jar. Yeah, this is a bit of a, a riot act reading from Mike and a fairly appropriate one, I think. Even, yeah. even if you're off duty, you probably shouldn't pass out in the hallway of your workplace. I will say the not fucking guess, though, is the first sniff. And we will get a big whiff later of them putting words to the concern we've had all along of why do these people insist on shitting where they eat? Yeah. So I'll stop here and say Delinda obviously set him up for failure. Fuck Delinda completely. Like it. It also seems like the Montecito needs to have a two person escort policy. Isn't this exact happenstance why that's typically in play? I mean, I would think so. You need a guy who stands outside the room, fully visible to cameras, with the door open, while the other person helps the guest do whatever they need to do. Right. But you have someone who could be like, hi, all good. Joe here, I'm on camera, Bill's in there, we're fine. Yeah, you need the vouch, you need a buddy system. Right. But Delinda really, real. I mean, Danny obviously has more than his fair share of blame, but he was drunk. He did try and say, get somebody whose actual job this is. Ultimately, he went along with it, and he and Delinda have got us off and running. Yeah. Big, lot of chips on the table available for the taking real early in the offing here. Yeah, both Delinda and Danny pushed huge stacks, and then, like, Delinda pushed a huge stack. Danny called, and while the rest of our crew was thinking about it, they both folded out of turn. <laughs> it's like, just contribution. Dior, just, Dior's like, all right, let it ride. We've juiced the pot. Yeah, let it ride. <laughs> Wanting to make things a little interesting here. Next morning, we've got a hungover Danny and Mike. They're debriefing from last night when they spot the woman in question at the beautiful wax. 
and she's complaining loudly about receiving too small of a glass of tomato juice, which Big Ed overhears. I get that when you're hungover and you think you've gotten your liquid cure and it does not come in the manner that you look for, it'll it'll hurt you a little bit because you're thinking, ah, this is my saving grace coming and it just doesn't get the job done. But good lord, this lady sucks. Well, and we'll learn very quickly she's a major construction company tycoon CEO lady. When you see that, just be like, ah, okay, sorry, what was your name? Whatever. I need five more of those. Thank you. They can be separate and or in a bigger one, so you don't have to do as many dishes. Don't care which. Just yeah. Like does she does she think the server is the one in charge of choosing the glassware? (laughs) She went over to her POS and keyed in tomato juice, and yeah, it's probably a seven dollar tomato juice. It's the Montecito. What do you expect? But like that was the last decision the server made. At some point, the bartender is like, "Drinks up." She got it. She brought it to you. She didn't get to say, uh, this is a little big. Do you have a smaller glass we can put it in? Yeah, I know it's only 40% as much, but I really want to fuck table eight out of their tomato juice. <laughs> Ed, hearing all this, being the known placator of problems that he is, decides he's going to walk over, settle down Monica, and also be like, hey, don't be a dick. Like, please, while you're here, show our folks a little respect. What a reasonable request. The response? You ought to fire her. What? It's not like she brought you a tiny orange juice when you asked for a big tomato juice. Like, it's one step off. Good God. The hell happens at your construction company? I mean, I have, in my life, known that a vessel was not going to have enough of what I wanted and have stressed over and over again that I would like a very large form factor I'll make jokes about like if you've got a bucket, that would be great. I do not think this fucking Monica Coom Karen did that. I think she just said large tomato juice and servers like, well, hate to break it to her, but there's only one size. She seems like a terrible person. I'm probably not going to bring that up. Yeah, I have doubts that she even said the large part. She probably just said tomato juice, which, yeah, you got the breakfast juice serving size. You ordered a breakfast juice. You psychopath. It's it's the morning. Like, and also you don't need that much. A little dabble, do you, lady? You know how much sodium there is in that shit? Hell, there's probably a ketchup bottle on the table. Just like start squirting that in your mouth. About the same thing. Wash it down with some water. Oingo boingo. Not the proper usage. Peyote. Never a proper usage. Ed is glad hitting one of Sam's clients whose four-year-old daughter heard screaming on the other side of the wall the last night. And my first thought was, of course, it was fucking. It's it is a Las Vegas hotel and casino. Yeah. I mean, we already have our crime for the mikvatif. So we know this wasn't there's extremely unlikely, I should say, that it was some sort of murder or violent crime. We need something to sort of lift our spirits. We need a joke story. Of course, it's going to be fucking. What if to lift our spirits, we hit the eject button on this entire side plot for the rest of the episode and not talk about it ever again because it fucking sucks. Is that possible? Let me review my notes. See if I can do that for you. I can get you 80% of the way there. Oh, hey, I'll take it. It's the same. I I am going to need us to talk back in at the end when the old man tries to push pills on my. Sure. That's, hey, bargain at. Twice the price. Thank you, sir. But yeah, in the the meantime, I can suspend 
The vast majority of it. I think we can catch the folks at home up on the same bit seven times pretty quickly. Yeah. In fact, one of my notes was this is a very strange, weird well for them to keep coming back to over and over again. Man, they really like that well, though. I mean, the woman surely does. Hey, yo, because the well is his penis. The well is the crucible. We've got Delinda in a daytime, quiet mystique saying, Gunther, it's time for a chat. And you know, it's not going to be a good chat because she's got the books out in front of her. She does have the books out in front of her, but Gunther's loving life. He's got a new item for her to try. I heard him say it four different times. I still don't have a fucking clue what it was. I think he said strudel. No, no, no. The strudel is made for our special guest star that we'll get to soon enough. It was some sort of a veal dish. Oh, is it the terrain? Yes. Maybe? Gotcha. Okay. I couldn't tell which dish was which. Yeah, this was, uh, this had a whole lot of stuff. I don't know. D says it's great. Look, food's great. We all love the food. Problem is the numbers. Judson, you're a noted mathematician, a numerologist, if you yeah, will. That is, that is what I am. I'm a numerologist. What do you do when you've got maxed out one variable? You get sold out every night. There ain't no more uh-huh. people coming in. How do you get the other one to go up when you can't get any more people in? Body paint. Mm, you, you jumped a, a few steps ahead. I don't know how that would make the food taste better. Yeah, which is my point. Uh, yeah, I guess your, your options, uh, certainly as Delinda says, is, well, we can raise our food cost or we could raise our prices because your food costs are killing us. Or let's op- open this fucker up for lunchtime. I mean, people got to eat lunch. Honestly, some of the most reasonable points Delinda's made in... 15 episodes. But Gunther says no. Gunther is better than lunch. Gunther does not make lunch. And then I got to thinking, is Gunther right? Because then I started thinking about all the other like really fancy restaurants in Vegas. And I don't I think most of them do, in fact, not serve lunch. I I think Gunther is actually correct here. Yeah, it's going to be a a PR hit for him. Exactly. And that's his whole bit, like a, a chef of his caliber doesn't stoop to the lunch service. Like you got to go to the buffet or the food court for that. And I want to be clear that a chef of his caliber is a shit caliber because he refers to Paul Anka as his good friend. Yes, his good friend Paul Anka is back in town, so he's going to make him a strudel. If only he had filled it with shit and called it a poodle to give to Paul Anka, but no. We're going to get a lot of Paul Anka in this episode. Uh, uh, Poodle's a dog. That's already a thing. Hell, cook up a dog and serve it to him then. That'll work Whoa. too. Whoa. Strong no cosign there. Wow. Noted, noted dog abuser, Eddie Mac, on the mic. I didn't cook it. You were advocating for it to be cooked. Only for Paul. I'm saying Paul Anka is the type of person that would eat a dog. So is this the beginning of the end for our respect for Gunther? I mean, the fact that he calls Paul Inca a dear friend, I, I don't know if I can cotton to that. I certainly don't cotton to it, but Gunther, I think, is the type to call any celebrity he has ever come in contact with his good friend so that he can try get a rub off of him. That's actually a really good try, point. Just trying to get some star power. If he can get anyone of any note into his restaurant, he then gets, oh, look who's here, and he fucking rides that. So I think he is using Paul Inca. That's what I'm hoping for. You know what? I'll allow that just because the alternative is too terrible to consider. Right. We need we need Gunther 
to still be a viable candidate for this, for our show. Speaking of terrible things to consider, Monica's at the blackjack table playing 500 a hand. And it occurs to me that the show has a thing for rich, powerful women named Monica, because we'll have the Monica Mancuso arc here in the not too distant future. Mm-hmm. So this is a precursor Monica. So Monica BC is at the blackjack table and she insists on touching the cards, which Ex- against the rules. Explicitly frowned upon in every casino. Ed Dessa and then also Big Ed, who again happens to be nearby, explain this to her. What I can't fathom is she says something and it's designed to be a real Karen moment, like for $500 a hand, I should be able to touch the fucking cards. To which my answer was, I agree. Why not point her to Baccarat or a singular double deck blackjack game, which if they didn't have one open for 500 a hand, they would surely open. Right. And I think if you said, hey, you crazy lady, here's what we can do for you. If you'll give us a minute and come over to this table, we'll set up a double deck game. Go fucking buck wild touching the cards. We don't care. Take them home with you. We don't. They're never getting used again. And I have to imagine that she would say, yeah, fine. Cool. Book that. Or she would say, well, then why can't I do it here? Because she does go real hard on the six-year-old. But why? But why? (laughs) But why? So, But at least at that point, you've made the effort. And if she's going to be an asshole, she's going to be an asshole. And we don't know what Nessa said to her beforehand, but it does seem like she doesn't understand the why and the why of, yes, we all get that you're not cheating, but you could be cheating. And therefore, you know, and if we let you touch the cards, we have to let everyone. So this is not directed at you. It's just don't touch the cards. Right. Instead, she keeps being an ass even more so when she sees Danny and starts badmouthing him. So it says, hey, I tell you what would be better. Instead of you touching the cards, you get the fuck out of my casino and off my property. Bye bye. Yeah. 500 a hand is nice, but not nice enough for this bullshit. <sighs> and speaking of bullshit, real big shithead Paul, as I shall now call him henceforth, he's back. Delinda ambushes him to get him to do her dirty work, and he agrees for unclear reasons. She's like, hey, I need you to pitch Gunther on lunch service. And he doesn't even hint at, "Eh, I don't know, or that's weird. Why? Or why are you talking to me about this? He's just like, yeah, all right. Sure. I like lunch. And then we get an inexplicable high five fist pound combo. That's just just, the worst. It is the microcosm of this episode. (laughs) It's just, it is awkward, not fun. Neither party looks cool doing it. It is this episode distilled down into one visual image. It's funny, often you'll see when someone's like one's going for the handshake or the high five and the other's going for the fist bump, you'll get like at least one will kind of start to like quick audible. This one right. was not, like this almost looked like Paul was throwing up boxing mitts to get D to throw a one two combo. Like it was just a quick direct. No, no questions asked. Is it possible that this is a prior agreed upon secret handshake between the two of them? I mean, it would be the shittiest, lamest. Here's what I'm going to tell you. Squarest secret handshake of all time. And that fits. Here's what I'm going to tell you, Judson. I'm not going to go back to fucking Zapruder film, the Paul Anka scenes to see if this is a bit. I'm just going to I'm just going to go with they both suck. How's that sound? It sounds like a plan to me. And I know and, and certainly would not expect you to do that. But perhaps a recent friend of the podcast, J.J. Mahoy, avid listener. Maybe you check the film for us. Let us know, J.J. I know you're a detail-oriented kind of person. Let us know. I don't know. 
figure farm out the work to a new follower. Weird engagement bit, but okay. High five, tree. Woo! Monica is going to get one last word in with Ed as she is signing out of the front desk, which you think if you get kicked out, you just leave, right? No, see, this is... This is a woman who's been kicked out of her fair share of places, and she knows they've got her credit card on file. Going to go ahead and get that receipt. She wants the bill. That's smart. Yeah. I, you know what? Good play there. Ed scoffs at the, you're going to hear from my lawyer saying, cool, fucking bring it. I will destroy you. She goes, no, 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 no. This isn't about kicking, getting me kicked out. Your boy Danny forced me to do a sex act and groped me. If I don't get a formal apology ostensibly from Ed, not Danny. I wasn't real sure about that part because it seemed like she wanted the apology for getting kicked out, not the allegation she just made against Danny. It was unclear what she wanted. And it's, I think, equally unclear as to whether or not an apology was actually going to stave off the rest of her plans or not. But she wanted satisfaction and she was not about to get it. But she she seemed very sure that she was not only going to lawyer up, but also call the cops. And Ed, not the kind of guy that reacts well to that threat just says that's fine get the fuck out of here if you thought there was any saving grace left this now hilariously tiny collared man is going to take you right the fuck out i wonder if the actor who played the extra i guess but he's the same guy maybe he's a bit player but the dude who played greg i wonder if he commented and complained about the degradation in collars like guys i don't know what happened i just you know it's not really my place to say but i just i noticed like the collars got smaller i was wondering like how does that affect my character? Like, what did, what did that do to his motivation? Are the polo shirts switch? Is that a, is that a sign that security is downsizing, and that's why we didn't have anyone to take care of Delinda's drunk? Like, what are we doing here? Help me understand what's going through my character's head here. Is he is he thinking about the collars? What is what does Greg do at his wardrobe in the morning? Does he still have to press the collars? Like, is it is it just rote for him at this oh, point? Oh, and that would suck on a polo because they're so small. That's a, that's a, that's not fun ironing. <laughs> I don't know. I think it's pretty, pretty fun irony. Ironing. You dick. <laughs> You're the worst. Up in Ed's office, Danny is understandably irate and defensive about the situation, explaining his side of things. And I say that because in the moment, we think that Danny's got a pretty good read on the situation, that he knows he didn't do anything wrong and that his adamant denials of any wrongdoing come from his safe knowledge that in fact he was in the right. He tells most of the truth to Ed, leaves out some key details, and you start to think, well, is it because he doesn't remember them? In which case his adamant denial is a little less stellar, or is it because he didn't want to admit the degree to which he stepped in the other shit? And we'll find out later it's both. It's a decent amount of both columns. You know, he he says, even in this first one, yeah, I'd been drinking. But as you mentioned, there is definitely no hint that he was anywhere near as drunk as he was. And certainly the having her bra and making out and the dress thing, all those details are going to come out a little bit later once Danny's good and fucked. Yeah. Hard, hard to see why they might have been, you know, worth telling right now. No, I mean, you know what they say? The cover ups never worse than the crime. Is that what they say? (laughs) What do they say? Quit getting shithouse at your workplace. Oh, wait, fuck that. Forget I said that, listener. We may come back to that later. We might have a new contender for most actual advice on the podcast. It's pretty up there. 
I happen to not be wearing any panties right now, and if you had a thousand guesses, you couldn't tell me where they were. Casey's side pocket. At Mystique, Gunther is added naming dishes to the list of things he's shitty at, because he's got this four-bag name for terrain that is nonsensical. And tells you nothing about the dish. Which, I mean, look, I'm sure I'm going to catch shit from my wife for not knowing what terrain is, because I'm sure she's told me like 12 times. But as someone who in the moment could not remember what a terrain was, the fact that Gunther insisted on obscuring it more did not make me more likely to order one. No. And I like German food, so come on, Gunther. Mar- market it a little bit better. <laughs> Help yourself out. We can't waste any time on that because real big shithead Paul shows up and he makes a decent sale. Nope. He makes a decent sell on lunch and adding it and even goes deeper with, hey, you know, why don't you uh, put your take on a burger, you know, really kick it up a notch. And you well, have to you think can't, that maybe you can't use that catchphrase. That one's taken. You could oh, yeah. shoot uh, it up a notch, perhaps. Uh, Yeah, let's do that. Let's have him. Or is it kick it up a sploot? That's probably safer because then, especially when he's going to talk about a secret ingredient on the burger, you don't want to have him splooting it up a notch. Might be a little dangerous. You're going to you're going to get some more complaints. I mean, there's certainly going to be questions of the servers. What is in this burger exactly? Sploot. And why does it taste like poodle? Can't spell sploot without poodle. Count it. Gunther seems amenable to the concept and we ultimately do now have our answers to why Paul did it. And that's so that he could leave his arm draped around Delinda for most of this pitch. Real good and creepy like. Just mm, very weird. You know, Molly Sims wanted that to be a, a one take and done there. I I thought in the very first scene where like the very like the first cut when he does it, it looked like she physically recoiled from it. <laughs> it like why is this gross skeleton man touching me please please go away paul anka i would rather al davis be touching me than this guy danny up in the employee parking all the way up on the roof which man he show, well he probably showed up late to work because he was hung over I, I didn't think he went home <laughs> <laughs> given the conversation he had with mike first thing in the morning but luis our Who? our favorite detective luis Ruiz Perez. Impressive trill there on the R's. Uh, he's going to just emerge from the shadows like a goddamn Batman. Hey, bud, I have some Malo news for you. Monica <laughs> filed a complaint, says that you forced oral sex on her and somebody's going to come and take a statement from you. Danny immediately is going to get crazy defensive again. Well, he says, hey, man, look, I... I'm just trying to give you a heads up. I'm trying to help you out. Danny starts to leave, slams car door, says, fuck it, goes back inside to Ed's office. Danny goes and reports this development to Ed, along with the news that maybe he had understated the amount of drinking he'd done. And yeah, there was some kissy kissy. And I look, I helped her get naked. What's the big deal? Who among us, Ed, haven't gone into a woman's room and helped them get naked? It's called chivalry, sir. And Ed just rightly rips into Danny like what the fuck stop getting drunk on hotel property don't put yourself in this situation well Delinda Delinda's a dumbass too like what the fuck is wrong with you people refers to Danny as head of security I was gonna say we this is the first on-air mention that I can think of because we just talked about this what two episodes ago like we finally got a yes he did get the job yeah and uh, is it fair to say this confirmation is the only good thing to come out of this episode yeah 
Yeah, well, the aforementioned body paint. Well, that doesn't... That part didn't suck. Yeah, but that doesn't come out of the episode because it's done after the episode. <laughs> I thought you meant long-term. I apologize. No, I meant the only good element of this entire oh, goddamn gotcha. episode. gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Danny gets sent to talk to the lawyer amidst Ed's phenomenal disappointment in him. And no one has at all gone back and looked at the video. And as far as I recall, won't ever during the course of the entire episode. And it's going to be pretty damning because the sex act in question is Monica's claiming Danny forced her to give him a blowjob. And he was in there for maybe enough time for that to go down. And certainly him coming out of the hallway with her bra and then running into other guests and collapsing on the ground. It's not going to play well in court. None of the post room shenanigans are going to look good on the camera. Her pulling Danny physically into the room is really going to be his only, she started this, not me. But even then, that doesn't get you anywhere, bud. Uh, yeah, no. The, well, the fact that no one interrogates the footage at all is mind boggling. Yeah, I guess, again, going back to how we sort of laid out the episode, the episode's entirety depends upon us knowing what happened and just going with it. So having them actually investigate the cams on air doesn't do anything to break the fiction that we already have. No, I, I think you make a good point. I just think it would add credibility or so that you could either use it as a, you know, Danny's evidence to his friends that I look, I didn't do anything. Go check the camera. I was only in a room 41 seconds, mm -hmm. you know, whatever it is. And they could be like, yeah, you know, that's probably not enough time, but you know, and again, we believe you, but that's not ironclad proof of anything. And then look, you've got the bra, like, come on, man, you know, you fall down drunk. Well, and Mike does at one point say that you couldn't see the bra on the camera. Well, do we believe Mike? Because at that point, he pulled it out of Danny's jacket and... Well, point well made. It also could have been a cool, I mean, not cool as in, because it would have been incredibly legal, but cool from a plot development standpoint of... Some combination of Mitch, Danny, Ed doctoring or deleting, you know, in some way compromising the videographic evidence. Like we've got this just thing that we know exists. The show told us it existed in the cold open. Mm -hmm. And shortly thereafter, why we never revisited is had I spent the entire time thinking about it. So for no other reason, you know, get get my mind back on the episode and not in the uh, the realm of. That's weird. Yeah, the show. What about Axe? the show is pretty built around checking the cameras, except for things like your head of security being accused of sexual assault, or a six million dollar painting being stolen right from out under your nose. For everything but their most serious crimes, go to the cameras. Everything else, though. And finally, Ed summons Mike to his office, says, "Hey, run a background check on this Monica lady. What are you looking for?" Leverage coming soon on TNT. And probably on Peacock. Mm, I don't know if that one is on or not, but I feel like it is more likely to be on than not. Dear Google, NBC Peacock leverage? I think it is. Mm, does not appear to be. Hmm. Which is, I mean, that's good. Because that, that'd be that, that would hurt. infuriating. That would hurt. Because the jokes are always funny when not only do you explain them, but you take two and a half minutes to live, research them. Live research them. Live on air. Yeah. Well, live on videotape. I swear it says it right in the script. <laughs> live on videotape. Danny and Mike are going to hit a flyby in the elevator bank. Which one's making a deposit? Nope. 
Mike's gonna be checking on some molds. Danny is looking a little rattled. Mike questions it, and Danny tells him, "Yeah, this complaint got filed. I'm nothing happened. I'm sure nothing happened. I'm almost sure nothing happened. Nothing happened, right?" Danny clearly, you know, there's a reason he has been as like weirdly defensive during the episode. Obviously, having someone lob that kind of a charge at you that you didn't do anything is going to fuck you up and make you defensive. But the weirdness level comes through here because he can't for 100% say, yeah, nothing happened. And he seems to take some solace for Mike's assurances that nothing happened. And this is the, I mean, obviously Big Ed believing Danny, it was, I would say certainly should have been in the moment, but obviously was in retrospect a glaring elision over Monica's complaints. But here with Mike having no insight into any of the details. All Mike knows is I found a passed out Danny outside of a guest's room with bra in his jacket, but I believe drunk Danny when he says he didn't do anything. That's a that's a tough look for Mike. It's not great. And and the I, one thing we skipped over with the Ed dressing down of Danny earlier that I thought was worth mentioning at least Danny kept, you know, saying, look, you got to believe me. I didn't do anything. And Ed's response was, I don't give a shit what you might, may or may not have done. I'm pissed at you for what you did do. Like, even if you didn't do what you've been accused of, you still fucked up real bad here, kid. Yeah, there was a, there was a lot of shit you did do wrong. And I could ream your asshole for hours just on that stuff alone. Yeah. Again, real easy way to not get caught up in these situations is to not put yourself in them in the first place. So Danny, having gotten, you know, after feeling a little bit better talking to Mike, goes to find Delinda. She's at Mystique and he's basically here to shore up another witness. Hey, can you believe what this crazy woman's accusing me of again? And at this point, if you didn't, if you didn't see and you still don't see what's weird about this. Delinda just being like, yeah, of course you didn't do it when she knows even less than Mike and in some ways knows more than Mike because she knows that both Danny and the woman were shithouse drunk. Like, come the fuck on, Delinda. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, testify that she was fucking hammered. That's fine. But you don't. That's all you know. Yeah, you can't. It's there is no fun joke to make here like this just sucks. There is a fun joke to be had in this scene, though. And it's a throwaway line about the Gunther burger recipe that remains a mystery. And if you thought this felt a lot like Chekhov's Gunther's burger recipe, you are correct. From where I'm sitting, it is not looking like it's going to be a good burger. No, people are uh, seemingly rightfully concerned about the mystery splute. <laughs> Especially when he says, now with mystery splute in all the publicity material. It's weird that anyone even showed up. Especially after you say Paul Inc. is going to be there. Well, to be fair, the market material did not say real big shithead Paul Inca, so they didn't know how bad it was going to be. Touche. But he's there and he's going to serenade the Mystique lunch crowd with a custom rendition of a song. I thought about researching it, but I realized it would require that I listen to more of shitty Paul Inca. I was like, nope, not going to do it. Wouldn't be prudent. Like, we know Paul Inca is a hack and he is a just like <laughs> C-list cover boy. But now he's just a shitty observational comic making up songs about hamburgers 
pestering these poor people trying to eat lunch, getting as close as possible. I mean, the spittle and vapors and detritus from his mouth is just all over these poor girls' fries. Let, let the motherfucker eat a Splut burger and leave him alone with your shitty, weird Al Yankovic wannabe. And I want to be very clear, Weird Al Yankovic rules. Paul Anka fucking sucks. Trash-ass songs. Fuck out of here. The derision with which you said cover boy earlier was just man's went to a karaoke bar and thinks he found a new career oh god yeah i mean it's it's a terrible scene i mean it's just all the way bad and the only way it is worse is in the lens of 2021 covid oh just every I every just food i just can't even yeah, all of all of your food has been anchored anchified Big graphic, Incafied. I just wanted one person to be like, hey, I actually don't know if the burger sucks or not, but that old dude spit all over it. That's why uh, I didn't yeah, eat mine. Need, to, need a new one here. And I'm going to hold on to this one because I don't want you to just walk it back to the kitchen and bring it back out to me after you microwaved it for 30 seconds and tell me it's a new one. This one's going to stay here. You can have it when I get a, a non-anchored burger. Yeah. Take your sports mascot wannabe lounge singer the fuck away from my table. You don't think like Angus Beef has anything to do with Paul Anka, do you? I do not. Need at least okay. three similar letters. He's only got two. Well, I mean, I think obviously when they went from the K to the G as a, you know, linguistic choice, a stylistic, because Ankus does not really, play, that's, that is an unappetizing word. <laughs> and Ankus is when an anus is on the ankle. It's like a cankle, but but centric. Well, you know the term like what's what someone's called a real shit heel. It's because they mm, have an ankle. Ah, okay, okay. Etymology with Judson, love it. <laughs> I'm so pleased. Shit heel, shit heel was good. That was a that was a pretty good wraparound because I was not going to give it to you at all, but that was a good wraparound. It's well played. I, I had to dig deep for that one. No idea where that one came from. It came from your ankus. Got it. It's about using what you learned in the past. <laughs> In the future. And that kids is a callback without any delay between the call and the back. It's a real time callback live to videotape. Danny is going to tell the lawyer that we have seen so many times who has never been in a good episode? Question mark. No, Kathy is a halbinger of doom. She really is. If you see Kathy, you're not going to have a good time. No, guaranteed. What is uh, rotten? I guess rotten to me. Opposite of fr- guaranteed rotten. If you see Kathy. Yeah, it's it's green and gross. There's no fault of her own. No, it's just she, she gets real bad material. I think she's a the actor does a good job, but she is servicing a shitty corporate attorney who is only brought in when the writer's room. They're like, well, now what do we do? Kind of paint ourselves into a corner on this one. She plays it well. And speaking of playing it well, Danny gets done telling the story and she goes, yeah, we're going to go ahead and settle this because this is for sure a he said, she said, and you look really bad in all this. Danny says, fuck that. We're going to the mattresses. I'll never settle with her. I'd much rather go to trial. Not only that, I'm going to go give my statement to the cops and I'm not going to bring a lawyer because I'll automatically look guilty. Buddy. Jesus Christ. I know as a lawyer, you are probably reluctant to provide this advice, lest it be construed as actual legal advice. So let your boy take this one. If you are going to go get interrogated by the cops, 
bring a lawyer. That's excellent advice, Judson. <laughs> I don't care if you did it or not. Because here's the thing. The cops super care. Even better if the lawyer's not on your dime. Yeah. I mean, I can imagine being in a situation where like, I didn't do anything wrong. I can't afford to shell out for a $500 an hour corporate attorney or def- criminal defense attorney. I know I didn't do it. I've got nothing to hide. Like, you're still dumb, but I understand it. And if you can't afford it, you can't afford it. Daddy Brunson picking up the tab, though. If someone's like, here's a free good attorney, and you're like, nah, I'm fine. Nah, bro, you ain't. <laughs> you, fu- you definitely you fucked, fucked up, up somewhere along the lines. I'm not sure if you're guilty of the crime you're accused of, but you're guilty of being dumb as fuck. Defense Department regrets to inform you that your sons are dead because they were stupid. <sighs> Great balls of fire. Danny's going to storm off, and Ed's like, hey, what's the situation? And she's like, yeah, I mean, it's is going to file. Your boy's fucked, Ed. And, you know, get a leash on that guy. Yeah, whether or not he ends up guilty is one thing, but, like, this is gonna continue. This is a bad play. It's going down for Ed leaves the ominous meeting, grabs Mike on the casino floor, and is like, hey, I need you to redouble your efforts about getting any dirt on Monica. And Mike's like, oh, shit, is she the, you know, with the Danny thing? And it's like, uh, who cares? Just do what I fucking told you to. And Mike's basically like, I'll make shit up if you need me to, boss. Like, I'll fucking, I'll lie. Like, I'll plant shit for us to find. It goes from Mike asking and Ed saying, look, it's, I'm not asking you to do anything illegal. Just Google their fucking names and tell me what you find. And Mike comes over the top with, oh, it's, it's her? Yo, I, whatever you need, I got you. So, okay, Mike, you, we're going to get our hands a little dirty in this episode, <laughs> it sounds like, huh? At this moment. A valet comes over. Mr. DeLine, this was left for you, and it's an anonymous letter. Hey, let's meet and discuss the settlement. And I'm going to go ahead and bring that forward a little bit, because the settlement talk is Monica, her multinational construction company, she knows about Ed. She's looked into him. He's got connections everywhere. If you help me out, grease the skids on a few deals in Kuala Lumpur, I'll drop my charges against Danny. They're real, but I'll drop them, you know, you're, you're... You scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. Quote, willing to sacrifice my dignity for my company, which, yeesh. (laughs) Yeah, that's uh, That's a line. That is a that is a thing that she said. Um, You you have to believe one of two things. Mike can't find anything on this woman. I have a hard time imagining this woman who is the CEO of a multinational construction company who we have the benefit as the audience of knowing that this isn't, you know, that she's making up the story against Danny. I refuse to believe that she didn't actually do something worth leveraging in her past. Mm. So you can either believe that she is the only good corporate titan in the history of humanity or that the same guy who missed everything about that woman except and got down into her video rental records is maybe not the guy to be putting in charge of Googling Monica Wells. Uh, I'm going to proffer a third idea for you. Okay. We know that she has the ability to not only very quickly get the background on Ed and formulate a plan of how that could be very, very valuable to her, but also like comes ready with a goon to check for wires. I think Monica is just better at this game than your regular CEO and had she took the inception class so you can't just inception into her brain you have to fight the fucking complex level from goldeneye in level 1 
So you're saying she does do bad shit and, and but is good it's a at combination it. of doesn't get caught. And if there's a record, has it expunged and has her digital footprints cleaned yeah. up? Yeah. I mean, especially if someone's going to get I like it. If someone's going to get that blackout drunk and pass out in the middle of Mystique, you got to figure they've done fucked up along the way and have had messes worth cleaning. And where was her security gun then? Excellent question. This is like when really rich people get DUIs. I've just like. If I ever got that rich, I would not go anywhere without security. I would not go anywhere without a driver. They'd probably be the same person to be perfectly aged. Right. But like perfectly aged, honest. I was thinking perfectly clear, and I'm like, how? What the fuck is H? TB perfectly aged. Yeah, isn't that what the kids do with their acronyms? One hundred percent. Just I've tried to reach out to our eighteen to twenty four demo. I don't. I don't want to be called boomer again in our Twitter mentions. Well, we'll see how that goes. This week's Twitter poll is Judson a boomer. <laughs> All the votes to one says yes or zero, depending on whether or not I remember to vote. If I'm able to figure out on these newfangled <laughs> devices how these votes work. Back in my day, you punched. I punched a Chad. When the Montecito account retweets my personal account saying no, and they tweet, you'll know that was me attempting to vote in the Twitter poll. That's weird. I don't think the Montecito account's going to do that. Well, it should. That would have been a funny joke. Why can't you see what you're doing to me? What you're doing to me? Stepping back, though, we're at we go to Mystique and we find that it's day two of the Gunther Burgers and they just can't give them away. Staff is like, nah, I had one. They suck out loud. I'm good. Gunther's disgusted. Delinda's depressed. Mary comes by for her cameo to grab a pity burger. Delinda treats her like absolute shit. Like she's there trying to be a good friend. And Delinda says, look, take your friendship and shove it up your ass, you whore. Here's your fucking burger. It's like, Jesus, Delinda. Yeah, Mary. Why so angry? Mary trying to be nice. Delinda actively calling it out, saying, wait, are you just here to try one out of pity? And I guess Mary could have solved it better, but it's like, helping out a friend. And Delinda's just like, fine, fuck off. It doesn't even let her sit at her own table. Hands her her burger. It's basically like, take this Lee, shit to a yes, different table. Be gone. I'm done with your fake niceness. Leave me. And honestly, it's a good thing that Mary's gone because she doesn't get covered by the taint that is real big shithead Paul showing up to suggest that he has tried the Gunther burger and it is absolutely inedible. What did he do to fuck up a burger so bad? I mean, I don't know what the special ingredient was, but it was a poor choice, whatever it is. I mean, we know that the kitchen staff in the Montecito is very good at burgers, yeah. You would think that somebody could have been like, yo, just start grabbing them from Bella Sarah. Don't tell Gunther. And I saw from the the marketing thing that it's a chopped sirloin burger. It's, it's good base. My thought was like, was he making it out of, you know, fucking antelope or something? Like it was going to be a weird meat. Mm, that's, a you know, or like, oh, it's like re recycled penguin dick. <laughs> like, no wonder this is a shitty burger. It's also a burger that can't fly. Well, none of the burgers can fly, Ed. Fault. <laughs> I thought you were going to interrogate why it said recycled penguin dick. Like, what, what was it the first time? Well, I would assume it was just a regular penguin dick. And that when the penguins died, they cut it off and recycled it into the burger patty. It's not a third. It's not a third reuse. So is it your contention that even that instead of calling them beef patties, we should call them recycled cow muscle patties? I, that is not my position, no, but I did think that was your position. <laughs> so anyway, I don't know what he possibly could have done to fuck up the burger this badly. 
and also that it's completely unsavable. Yeah, when e- when even the maintenance staff working minimum wage is pretty quickly dismissing Delinda, saying "fuck that," I'm gonna go to the food court for the ninety seventh out of ninety eight days. Things are bad. Yeah. So Danny shows up to the police station for his investigation slash interrogation with Kathy, though they did not show up together. And then he immediately dismisses her, says, get out of here. That's certainly a choice. Arguably the dumbest thing Danny's done in the entire run of this episode of the season series whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. There's really no logic to this one. I get that he's saying that, yeah, if you have a law, if you show up with a lawyer, you're guilty. Well, you still showed up with the lawyer, so you may as well benefit from having the lawyer there with you. Or at least take the five minutes of, yo, hear what the lawyer has to say and then do it alone. Bad play by Danny all around. But we're not there. Pretty terrible. We're not there long because we're going to go back to our nice little park by the swing set where possibly children are playing. But instead, we're doing chicanery. Ed, as he's approaching, gets grabbed by the large, muscly goon. Monica's going to ask, hey, do you mind if we check for a wire? Ed is going to say, yup, and practically break the dude's thumb off. And our goon is going to kick stones real quick after that. Yeah, what a, a I mean, missed opportunity for comedy here because Ed should have been like, I'd fire him. He's incompetent. That would have been very good. Take a walk muscles was not a bad line, but recreating the Bellicera would have been a nice little callback for the kids. Especially if. Monica was sitting at the bench eating a burger that wasn't shit. <laughs> or could have been a little picnic version of Bellasera. Or drinking a venti sized tomato juice. <laughs> I finally got what I came for, Deline. Well, funny enough, Monica's going to lead the conversation off with a, an apology for being too mean to the waitress. But she learned something fun. All Ed, he knows the Malaysian government real well. Got some great relationships over there. Monica just happens to have some projects in Kuala Lumpur that could use a little uh, little friendly elbow grease. Why don't we help each other out? I love how correctly and smartly Ed tells her to fuck herself in his inimitably, uncopyable, inimitably, there it is, colorful way, inimitably. That's a tough word, y'all. It is not a fu- it's not a great one. Inimitable. I don't like it. It works better as a written word, but famously, famously visual medium, famously audio medium strikes again. Mike runs up to Ed's office back at the Montecito and breaks the bad news. He can't find any shit on her at all. He's t- tried twice, gone through her video rentals. It's a lost <laughs> cause. And Mike seems pretty distraught. Ed is extremely chill. No problem. Don't you worry about a thing. I'll take care of this. As soon as Mike leaves, picks up the phone, makes one of his patented ominous calls, this time with a Ed DeLine TM, TM, TM. You know it's an important one, though, because on this ominous Ed call, TM, 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 he doesn't just need a favor. He needs a big favor. And he makes it clear it's personal. It ain't business. So you got to think. Like he's going to fuck some shit Ed's, up. Ed is cashing in some uh, some spy bucks here. The John Wick gold coin number definitely is going up on this phone call. Oh, yeah. Which would be great because he has a bottle of Blanton's there. Made canon in the John Wick universe. Indeed. For, for a mere gold coin. You could have a glass. 
I really hope that the John Wick precursor show that they're doing for Showtime, like an entire episode is just on the assassin economy. You and I have talked about this. I would watch a 10 episode Netflix documentary style special one off series just about the John Wick economy. So long as it's not done by Ken Burns. Yeah, he can fuck himself. <laughs> He's the Paul Anka of documentary. Wow. Bold claim. Fuck you, Kenny. Not not co-signed. All of a sudden, are you carrying a torch? I'm not. For bullshit I'm not Burns? carrying a torch for Ken Burns, but I think his work is perfectly fine. Insert long, rambling Civil War documentary <laughs> drop here. I thought you were going to say insert long, rambling rant by Judson about how much Ken Burns sucks. No, I'm going to let Ken do that with his own words. Got him. When the total listenership drops off in the next three minutes, you'll know why. Because I made them listen to just two sentences of the documentary. But it took 45 minutes. <laughs> You'd think, if anything, they would all fall asleep and it would make sure people actually listen to the end for once. Now, there's an idea. Pro tips. Ken Burns, welcome to the casting crew. <laughs> Pro strats. Hi, this is Ken Burns. I hope you've enjoyed that excerpt from the film Lynn Novick and I made on the life and work of the legendary writer Ernest Hemingway. Here are some more clips you might like. Ed starts advising Danny about how stupid he was to dismiss his lawyer. And Danny is freaking out, starting to kind of come unglued a little bit. I mean, he's losing his touch on reality. He's just sitting there like they said they're going to make a decision soon. I don't know. Ruiz recused himself, which, by the way, the only smart thing Ruiz has ever done in the entire series. Yeah, it's interesting that this is the one that finally got him to be like, you know, I do have a personal connection with these people. Maybe I should sit this one out. But yeah. So this entire time that Danny's losing his shit, Ed has this weird Zen-like calm about him. Just like, yeah, I get that. That, that would be stressful for you. Oh, oh, yeah. I understand your feelings, Danny. That's bad. Ring, ring. Uh-oh, it's the detective. And obviously the plot only works if they're going to charge Danny. So I'm calling to tell you we're charging you, Danny. Get down here by 5 p.m. Yeah, how about you come down to the station and make this easy on all of us? Which, you know... At least Danny's connections allow him the benefit of a self-surrender as opposed to them showing up and arresting him on site. Yeah, getting perp walked out of your own joint, never a good time. And I also like that the last time they tried to come and do this in person with Ed, with Danny, they realized a phone call probably gets this one done. We don't need to go make a big to-do about this. And Ed lets Danny go, freakishly chill, makes another ominous Ed call, TM, TM, TM. A quick let's go and away we do go. Omaha, Omaha. Gunther's in Mystique. He's angry. He's sad. Nobody likes the burgers. Oh, no, oh, I'm this sorry. Gotta... This is where I'm... I am going to have to circle back on the sex That's block. That's fair. All right. So to catch everyone up, some <laughs> old people have been fucking really loud for like the whole show. That's it. That's the bit. There have been like eight yeah. check-ins on this one thing. And Sam had them moved into a suite. They were still making loud noises. Mike finds the old couple outside Bella Sarah. The dude's just casually resting his hand on his woman's tit, just getting a full handful. And Mike's like, hey, I'm going to move you to the mansion well away from the guests. And they've been reluctant to accept upgrades all along. I mean, Sam had to back up the fucking truck with like, I'll give you this and we'll have butlers and we'll give you robes to take home. So he's going to be like moving to the mansion. And the guy's like, all right. And then basically he pulls Mike aside and he's like, yo, I've been popper, popping boner pills and she's a fucking freak. Am I right? Anyway. You want some? I got tons. First, hey, this y'all haven't been getting complaints about our extremely loud old people fucking, have you? No? Okay, cool. Yo, 
You want to try one of these? Why did Mike say no? Why wouldn't he like, as a matter of fact, yeah, a lot of people, bro. A lot of people. Oh, I thought you were saying, why did Mike say no? You d- Why would he not take the pills? I was like, <laughs> we need to have a different conversation now, Judson. Judson, if a creep... Da- Ooh, that could also be good advice. Uh, you know what? I'll give you this one for free. If a creepy old dude offers you a boner pill, do not take it. Not only if, but perhaps especially if, he says it will allow your romantic companion to be able to do chin-ups on your dick. That sounds painful. Not a fan. Do not want. Uh, no, why Why did Mike lie about them not getting... I've been like, yes. Can y'all keep it the fuck down? And even do it as like, yeah, congrats, man. Like, you're, you're killing the game, but like, we're getting some calls. But in the meantime, take your old lady face down ass up. Keep her quiet. <laughs> That was that was a bridge too far. Oh, uh, okay, that's the line. Uh, it's certainly a line. So are you saying that should not go in the episode? Uh, you knock yourself out if you want. I've just I did not enjoy it. I'm sure the listener <laughs> might. Uh, who? Hey, I haven't seen the search history of these listeners. They're, they've listened to us for this long. They're probably in some interesting shit. Gunther's beside himself with this lunch failure. Dylan is going to throw in the towel, but will refuses to perform whatever heinous sex act Gunther has in mind for his recompense. Instead, we'll scrap lunch. We're going to raise dinner prices because that was the other option. And we'll have the waitresses wear body paint. What? Why? Well, we know Gunther is notoriously horny. He has already asked if he could watch Delinda bathe and was cooking up some other just sexual depravity not 20 seconds ago. Have we used the we'll do different waitress outfits outfits bits with Gunther before? Because I feel like we did early on with Delinda. Well, er- early on, she wanted to change the outfits because everyone was wearing later hosen when it was Corinthians. That's right. And Gunther was very much against that until he saw what Delinda had in mind. Correct. And was then convinced. So, I mean, this could just be a way for Delinda to shift Gunther's horn dog onto someone else. But it almost felt like, I mean, and maybe the answer is that they have had such a disastrous lunch business that they were going to, you know, they needed to win people back for dinner. But I sort of don't think it would have happened that quickly. Maybe there's an issue with the expense account business, which is why they couldn't raise. At any rate, body paints come into a mistake near you. Get excited. Seems like it'd be a very risky outfit with a hot kitchen nearby. Yeah. I mean, I think you're going to have some OSHA issues for sure. (laughs) For sure. It also doesn't seem like the most sanitary. It's just a lot of exposed skin. I don't know. Skin isn't inherently dirty. It is in Vegas. I mean, everything's dirty in Vegas. Precisely. Deborah can put that on a fucking (laughs) t-shirt. We get round two in the park parlay. This time, Ed is seated comfortably at the desk. I feel like there's an opportunity for more alliteration there. Painfully, no. Parlay in the park part two. Yeah, I got nothing. Monica rolls in on Ed this time and says, oh, you changed your mind. Smart lad. Ed, almost chuckling to himself, says, actually, here's the deal. That your Malaysia project sounded fantastic. Not going to happen. Also, your deals in Taiwan and South Africa. Those are off the board. And Monica Putting on a brave face, she's not going to fold that easy. She says, look, am I supposed to be scared? You're full of shit. I'm not buying it. Uh, by the way, the answer is yes. You're supposed to be scared. You misread the room there, Monica. Because it turns out we're not done. 
Your co-op project in New York, that's donezo. Also, your country club is going to be calling for your resignation in about three hours. So here's the deal. You've got an hour to pull your charges before I end everything you hold dear. Want to try that again? I have to admire the fact that she is not actively pissing down her leg at this point. Because, I mean, you have to think either Ed is completely full of shit, which is such a weird and bizarre bluff, because he's saying, take an hour, go find out. Or you have to know that your life is coming unraveled as you speak. He's even like, oh, and by the way, uh, your credit cards probably don't work anymore either. So this is the you bluffed pre-flop. You bluffed after the flop when you had you had no part of that hand. You then bluffed after the turn, and that's when the person finally comes over the top on you. You know you're folding. You know the second anyone bets anything at you, you're folding. But you got to save a little face. You got to look strong. You got to look stoic and say, "Okay, yeah. oh, you fucking rivered again. Caught. God damn it. I was you, so close. You caught another card on me, you son of a bitch. I fold. My two cents. You outdrew me. Yeah, like, you win this time, Gadget. <laughs> Meanwhile, Danny is getting booked at Metro, taking some real shitty mug shots. I mean, bro, those are going to go on the internet. Got to do something about your hair. Kathy, Big Ed, waiting outside for Danny while he's being processed. He comes out, and he is finally starting to realize the magnitude of the shit he's in when out pops the detective, tells the assembled group. McCoy, Miss Wells just called and decided to withdraw her complaint and told the DA that she wouldn't testify. Charge has been dropped. You are free to go. My question to you, Ed, would the DA really let this go this easily? Wouldn't the DA be like, this smacks of some weird shit going down? No. Should they let it go this easy? No. But am I surprised? No. If the, especially in what even, you know, the Montecito's lawyer called a he said, she said, if you lose the she said, which is the entire basis for the arraignment, there's really nothing to make the charges stand. That's fair. It just seemed like the criminal justice system is letting this slide pretty quickly from we just processed him and booked him to, yeah, all right, go home. Yeah, no, that that sounds pretty par for the course. Here's my question for you. Since the charges got dropped, do you think Danny can walk back in the door he just walked out of and be like, yo, can you hit the lead on those mugshots for me real quick? Because that'll still probably pop up on the registry and the weird website and the back page of the local newspaper. Like it's still going to show up on I could do without yeah, any of just these. Like, just go ahead and erase those because there's no charges. So come on, please. You got to figure Ruiz has been a good boy all episode. He's chomping to break some rules. He's got data yeah, covered. He'll, he'll hit the, uh, the control X on that one for him. Yeah. The episode's denouement. There it is. We're back at the casino. Sam's original Wells, thrilled with the silence. Sam thinks Mike should try the boner pills because she's down for four-hour boners. While Danny and Ed walk into the Mystique and discover the new outfits on the wait staff. And Big Ed is pissed. Ed's pissed. Danny gets a pretty solid double-breasted tuxedo joke off. Like, well played. You, It's it's low-hanging fruit, but still delicious. Oh, I mean... Most of them were pretty perked. They were not low hanging. Zing. Well played. Here's where it's. Remember when we talked earlier about learning from what happened in the past and using it in the present and the future, Judson? Do you remember that that conversation we had not 10 minutes ago? I do. Danny 
fresh off of getting his name cleared from when he got hammered at the bar where he works, uh-huh. is going to order a beer at the bar where he works, finds the girl from last night who is now a body-painted waitress at said bar. The Choco Chunks girl, as I will forever mm. know her as. I liked Lisa better, but... It's Lisa. I- Spelled with a Z? And two E's? Holy shit! That was Lisa girl! Lisa girl's Monica Wells! What? Lisa? The girl Lisa in the episode of Sports Night? My name's Lisa. Lisa? Yes. With a Z? Spelled with an S. But pronounced with a Z? Yes. Interesting. My ex-wife spelled hers with an S. Pronounced it with an S the whole nine yards. <laughs> played by the actor that played oh, Monica wow. Wells. Wow, 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 wow. That that's a hell of a connection. Look at that. I thought that was pop, pop. I thought you were weirdly just putting together that that was Lisa from the first scene. And I was like, it's not that big of a revelation there, Judd. I thought we made that pretty obvious from the jump. No. That's funny. Spells it with an S, pronounces it with an S, the whole nine. That's fantastic. Danny sees Lisa from last night. Gonna start drinking. Oh, nope. Gets bumped from behind, spills his beer all over Lisa. By a dude who he cut off from also hitting on Lisa. Like this was a non-accidental. Oh, yeah. This was the kicking the back seat in front of you of the guy who was a dick at the airport. Like this was intentional. Correct. Problem. The body paint might not be water soluble, but it does appear to be beer soluble <laughs> because the paint is going to start to come off. And Danny, of course, again, such a chivalrous gent is going to just start pawing at her boobs <laughs> First, just bare hand to be like, oh, I'll get that. And then as Delinda is running around with T-shirts to try and cover up all the waitresses, just sort of dab the T-shirt against her, taking a whole lot of paint with each swipe. So the listeners at home may be shocked to learn that you and I don't do a lot of pre-pro. We don't compare notes. We just sort of get in here and go. Sort of fire. We fire at it. My exact note, word for word, is Danny, having not learned his lesson, Starts pawing at her. <laughs> what the actual fuck, Daniel? Uh, well, as the restaurant erupts into chants of No shirts! No shirts! No shirts! Again, people not learning their lessons. Delinda is going to come up to Danny, who is practically just depainting this poor girl, <laughs> who's seemingly fine with it, and again going to tell him to do something, even though he's off duty. Which, bud, you just came from fucking jail. Go home, my dude. But yeah, Danny's going to do something. He's going to raise his beer and start chanting, no more shirts, no more shirts. And that's it. An overwhelmed Delinda left considering her limited options, stuck between the devil and the deep blue sea of a riotous crowd being driven into a heightened fury by the head of security and disobeying her father who could disappear her off the face of the planet. Hey, Ed. Uh-huh. Did you like the episode? No, sure didn't. Everyone sucked. Everything was bad. It, uh, hard pass. How about yourself? Uh, no, did not. This, uh, this episode was brought to you by the letter T for Trash Can, and we're going to have to move out Oscar the Grouch and put the entire cast and career of the Montecito, except Nessa and Mary, I guess. Wow, Nessa at the top. That's Everyone else in the trash can. We're going to need a bigger dumpster. Oof, oof. Which I guess segues nicely to chip leader. So last week we decided most people had lost chips. 
Danny treaded water, but Mary had still been up enough from prior to have a sad retention of the chip lean. Second verse, same as the first. Go ahead and hit copy paste on that, my guy. Except I think she didn't lose chips because she was trying to be nice. Yeah. Yeah, no, she was trying to be a good friend. And yes, she got called on it. She wasn't doing a great job of it. But like, it's also coming to eat a burger. Like, it's not like you need a fucking whole lot to it there. And I guess Nessa is this week's version of Treaded Water. Yeah. Because she was like, hey, lady, don't touch the cards. I can have somebody else explain it to you if you'd like. And that was all we saw of Nessa. Yeah, I mean, Ed obviously hit the big flex, didn't fall for the what became a pretty clear blackmail attempt, but the quick hand waving over the accusation is hard to look past. Yeah. And also the fact that he had to pull in, as you probably, as you said, he probably had to pull in a ton of favors to get Danny out of this jam. Yeah. He burned a lot of clout here. That said, he fucked, he fucked this company up real good. (laughs) It was, I mean, that part was enjoyable as a fan. You're like, yeah, our, our guy's still got that. He's got those strings. But oof, they they done been pulled. And I like how he was Steve Jobbing, sir, with the oh, and one more thing about five times. Uh, sorry, sorry, please don't interrupt. I'm not done. I've ruined your life in ways I've not yet had a chance to enumerate. You will need to find a new place for brunch and try your hand at tennis. Uh, and actually, the security guy, he actually works for me now, so he's going to check you for wires. You don't mind, right? Also, don't do the thumb thing. I taught him how to get out of that. <laughs> Ed, there's got to be something better. What are we going to tap for next week? Next week on Pod at the Montecito. Whale of a time. A beautiful former co-worker visits Ed, but when she brings danger with her... Danny and Mike are asked to protect her. Delinda and Nessa find themselves competing for the attention of a high-stakes gambler, and Mary must console a man who's left at the altar. I'm physically ill. This sounds like a real shitty episode. From what I remember, uh, the D and Nessa stuff is annoying, but kind of fun. We are back to season one version of them, as opposed to season two version which I think is a little better. Um, I think the A plot is actually solid. I could be wrong, though. Wouldn't be the first time. Oh, is this the one with uh, Jay Moore? It is. They do not mention Jay Moore as the guest star, which shows you where his career was at the time, I guess. But the the still of the episode is Mary and Jay Moore, who IRL will get married after this. Had they been married? Uh, mm, I Oh, actually, I think they were. I think they got divorced middle of the show's run. Uh, no. No? Uh, they got married in 2000. He married. Uh, so Jay and Nikki got married in 2006. So after this episode. Okay. And they were married until 2018. Huh. So I guess not yet married. Yeah. Well, I guess I will be cautiously optimistic that next week's episode won't suck. I feel safe in saying it is better than this week's. I mean, I had no recollection on this one, and I thought it was going to be better than it was. So we've seen throughout this episode or throughout this season that my radar has been off in the last like half dozen episodes. So what the hell do I know? 
that's an interesting part of going back and doing all of this is watching things in order as opposed to just, oh, this is the random episode that was on TNT at like 2 a.m. after the basketball games ended when you hadn't ran through the whole show in a while. You get some real clunkers and also some real misrememberings of which ones are good and which ones are bad. Yeah, because we've also had a couple that we thought going in were going to be bad that ended up being bangers. Yeah, just goes to show you, you dear listeners that are watching the show, you probably know the show better than we do. Unreliable narrators at best. Got any advice for this dear coterie of listeners? Kids, we alluded to it earlier. This one's not a not a mystery, but apparently it still needs to be said. Don't get blackout where you work. Even if you're not currently working, don't get blackout where you work. There's just no upside. Nothing good's going to happen. If, if you want to grab a couple of free drinks from your friends that are bartenders That's there, fine. I get That's that. Fine. Go to a second location. Mm-hmm. You got your freebies. Take a cab. Get out of here. It's easy. Easy buckets, kids. And even if you're not worried about shit going wrong, they can't conscript you into duty if you aren't there. Yeah, if he's doing this over at the Palms, they're not going to ask him to take some hammered chick out just because he works. I mean, instead he has to hang out with the Malusers, but... Which, a fate, mm, check swing. (laughs) But there's plenty of other options. Go to Planet Hollywood, hit up the Delano downtown, go go rich and fancy at Bellagio. Go play fucking beer pong at O'Shea's. All better options. Honest to God, the fucking Tropicana, way better than hanging around where you work, asking for something like this to happen to you. Dummies, dummies, dummies. Well, speaking of dummies, thank you to everyone who's listened to this episode, <laughs> especially after last week, which if you listened to this one, you probably listened to last week's. We have not yet listened to the final edit. We're just going out on a limb and saying that one was a was an interesting one. So we appreciate your stick Bit of a gong show probabilities was high. I on think that one. as you spread the word about this podcast to your friends and family and Twitter followers and what have you, you know, I mean, use your own judgment. You know them better than we do, but maybe tell them to skip a couple here, take us back up in next one or the one after. You never know. But in the meantime, hit us with those five star reviews. Let us know you like the show. You can get a hold of us on Twitter at Montecito Pod or by way of email using the email address pod at Ibonacito with the Gmail domain. Shouldn't you put something between those two to make sure that they know where the emails go? I think I trust our listeners. I think they can they can handle that. Okay. Don't you? I sure hope so. Just a weird way of giving directions, but, I, you know, MapQuest worked for a while, too. Pod at the Montecito at gmail.com. Let's see what was so hard. First, that's the letters. Second, that's the curly A thingy. That's a little more direction than they probably needed, but very helpful. I fucking hate you. Until next time, I've been Judd. He's been Ed. And this has been Pod at the Montecito. Letters. Deuces. Eventually, through the repetition of this word, sometimes the mind kind of sinks into a state of deep awareness.